Oh, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here on a Monday afternoon. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's oh, it's hot outside. Oh my God, it is. Uh, it is brutal. I'll tell you what. Had a chance to do something this morning that I never get to do, and I'm serious. I, I never get to do this, mostly because. Um, well, we work a lot during the week, and um, weekends is, um, you know, all family time and all spending around that, which is what I want. But every so often you get an opportunity to swing the sticks and play a little golf. And this morning, uh, thanks to uh, Brad Dubow, David Perlman, and Matt Keats, I was uh, invited to play with them at a scramble for the YMCA golf tournament that uh, had two flights today. By the way, thank God they chose the morning flight. I can't even imagine. Well, first off, Adrian would be hosting the show if, there was, if I was in the afternoon flight. But I could not imagine teeing off at one thirty this afternoon um, out of Coronado Country Club and how miserable that would be. Miserable. Oh no way, Steve! Oh. You got to you got to get a tea time in before you know eight or nine. That's a perfect time out there at Coronado Country Club. You get a chance to do that. They take good care of you out there, and then uh, you're good to go by you know by eleven or twelve if you if you play right. Now let me say this, okay? Um, uh, they were great. It was a blast. The, that's the first time I've ever played Coronado Country Club in all these years. Um, was never a member, never invited. And um, it's gorgeous. It is a gorgeous course. I loved it. Um, the weather was beautiful because at 8 o'clock in the morning when we, when we got there at 7.30, I mean, you could not ask for better conditions, better weather. Um, no warm-up. Hadn't played in over two years. And I'll be honest with you, my long game blew me away. I didn't expect to hit the ball that good if I tried. So... That was good. My short game sucks. Always has, always will. Um, putting bothers me. I, I've Adrian. I got to get. I've been wanting a new putter for years, but I can't. I can't buy a putter when I play once every two years. Like I'm just like, I've I have not liked my putter since I got it twenty years ago, and I was one of those guys infatuated with the Odyssey White Hot uh, double. Uh, you know the the yeah, two ball, the two ball putter. About. So I got that years ago when I was in, one year I was in Vegas and I wanted it, so I got it. Um, I don't remember what I had, but um, yeah, I want to go back to just a conventional putter. I would have chosen a putt putt putter today and been very happy with it. Would not have bothered me one bit. But um, this putter, I just feel like it's maybe it's the weight, whatever, because of the two ball. But it just doesn't feel. I don't feel comfortable. Like I don't feel like I have any control over it that I need to. I don't. I just. You know, so eventually I want, and I'm a lefty, which makes it even worse because a it's hard to find clubs, and b it's harder to get clubs because they don't make as many lefty clubs as they do righty clubs. So you know, but I love everything else. I mean, drove the ball well today. Uh, second shots were great. Uh, very pleased for someone that that hardly ever plays golf today. I'm. It made me want to go back and play more often. So maybe this summer. Since Joel's going to have some extra time on his hands because we're not doing baseball this summer, as soon as baseball season ends and we get a couple of weeks to uh, between you know um, the semester with the start the start of the fall uh, fall session for him, we might get him out on the golf course a little bit and we'll play a little golf because man, it was fun today, a blast.
I'm glad you had a good time, Steve. This is a perfect time to do it. I mean, I'm, you know, there's really in El Paso, there's a lot of months that you can play some golf. But this is the time where everybody's excited about golf because, you know, you, you look across on the national scale, everybody's uh, competing across the board. Yesterday, the uh, Byron Nelson Championship uh, that the Foss was at or he attended over the weekend was uh, real intense. And next or this upcoming week is the PGA Championship. So good week, you know, just talking about national golf. But I'm glad that you got a chance to get out here in El Paso because there's uh, some really great courses that we have locally and uh, when you get out there and when you have a good game that's what make makes golf so um, I guess I don't know I don't know what the word is I guess it's some uh, it's kind of engaging it makes you excited about going back out it there does. and it kind of encourages you to go back uh, you know from time to time on weekends whenever you have a chance to just hit some balls and see how good you can do so I'm, I'm glad you had a good uh, time out there and I'm glad you played well in retrospect my worst holes were the par threes uh, for whatever reason hitting irons off the tee I just it wasn't working for me today, but hitting irons on my second shot or third shot was fine. Nice. Okay. And uh, drove the ball surprisingly. Like, I have no control when I drive. I'll hit it. I don't know where it's going. Today, I knew where it was going, and most of the time was very playable and thrilled about that. So No winds, yeah. huh? What's that? No wind? No. Oh, there was wind. I just hit the ball well today. Nice. That was the best okay. way to put it. Good stuff. I just, I have no short game, and my putting sucks. So, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. But, again, when you don't play and you don't practice, just getting on the course and getting through 18 is a win. That's as far as I'm concerned. And great guys. Brad was, you know, Brad's Brad's great on the course. One of my favorites. I never – when I do get to golf and I'm lucky enough to golf with my boss, it's it's a it's a privilege more than anything else. And it's uh, I was absolutely uh, thrilled when he asked me. It was very nice of him. And then Matt Keats from Keats Southwest, one of my favorite people. Uh, and David Perlman uh, from Scorpion Sales. I mean, they're all Chicago guys. It was weird. Like, three Chicago guys and me. So, you know, they're all talking about the old days because they're all in the same age bracket, and they could talk about when they went to high school and what it was like in Chicago, growing up in similar neighborhoods. So... I had a lot in common today with that. They were they were they were just a blast to be around. So it was oh, a lot of fun. That's great. I'm glad that you brought on all those guys. No ringers on. I no, was, I was expecting that, that is something that would have been nice in a scramble format. Uh, yeah. Because when I did hit some shots that were definitely playable, we just didn't capitalize on those like I was hoping. I wanted I was hoping we just had one ringer, but the truth is if we had one ringer, I probably wouldn't have been playing today. I would have been the man the odd man out. So, you know, that's just that's just usually how things work. So you were like Devin Booker, and you had the Phoenix Suns around you, and unfortunately the the rest of the Phoenix Suns couldn't carry their own weight. If you were relying on me as a ringer, you have serious problems as a golfer. You really do. So you can't expect someone who never plays to go out on the course for the first time in almost two years or more and actually play well. It, that just doesn't happen. That doesn't happen at all. It's an unforgiving sport also, so like you might have one great shot, and then your next shot might not be there. So that's why you need some help when it comes to scramble. I'm totally with you on this. I mean, it was the early – I did have the uh, – before we left, I did have the long drive uh, for the for the tournament. Now, I'm sure somebody uh, popped it fa- farther than I did, but my ball at one point was the 
longest drive, which was really cool. I like that. Nice. Okay, so you've been hitting so, the weights too, Steve. I yeah, like it. I hitting the weights. No, I did, I was just hitting the golf ball well today is what I was doing. So anyway, all right. So that's that. Nice to play golf again. And by the way, golf is the most frustrating sport I've ever played in my life, and it's really simple. Okay, I can hit a baseball when it's coming at me, and I'm able to um, get my bat around it and swing, and you know, and and. It's 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 just great when you hit a ball, hit a baseball, right? Um, golf, the ball doesn't move. It stays there. It's looking at you. It's taunting you. It's talking to you. And yet, it always gets the last laugh most of the times. It really does. That's why, to me, golf is so frustrating. Um, I can hit a fastball, yet golf... Um, uh, you know, it's <laughs> the ball doesn't move. You just line right. You you, you uh, just sit up on top of it and hit it, and man, is it difficult! It really, really is. Yes, and you know the interesting thing is if you're like picking up uh, golf for the first time, like I was uh, just last year, you start to play with some friends, and then those friends start to tail off. Like they can't stay stay with it. Like they don't like the sport as much. They don't want to go on a weekend to weekend base, but basis. But the the fact is, if you don't practice, you don't get out in the range and you know do stuff to your short game and stuff like that. You're just gonna struggle when you get out on the course and waste your money when you're playing. You're paying for tee times and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a very frustrating sport. At times you never played golf until last year yeah yeah i barely picked it up seriously yeah i barely picked it up and you have the bug i have a huge bug for golf i love it it's great isn't it it's so it's such a fun sport and el paso has some great courses like they you'll do go, you'll go other places and and sure other cities that are way more green that have other hills or whatever it is they, they always capture your eye but el paso's uh courses the reason why i like them so much they use the desert to their advantage and i'm not talking about the rough that's all the desert areas but they just use the nicest part of the desert to make their courses look so beautiful i know, I know. you're right by the way and and i'm and i'm and i'm wiped out i'm not gonna lie to you i'm still we finished the, it was probably in the 80s uh like and i don't mean our scores i i mean the temperature and yeah i was it just the sun just knocks the you know what out of you it really does so you need like a siesta after a long day of golf and take a little nap and then get ready for sports talk a that little- would have been nice that would have been nice. Too much on the plate, huh? Yeah, a little too much on the plate. By the way, uh, I also want to thank uh, Conversing with Chris and Misa. Uh, I had a chance to join them over the weekend for their podcast. I think it's their 124th podcast that they have. So uh, went uh, over to their place, uh, taped that uh, on Saturday. I think they released it yesterday. Had a lot of fun with those guys. So uh, thank you to Chris, Misa. Uh, and the whole group, uh, they have uh, a guy named Blue. By the way, they have like five people. They have their own merch guy. I-, I was looking around going, wait a minute. You have like five people operating this podcast. We have two. Uh, it's Adrian and yours truly. That's it. There is nobody else. We do not have a merch guy like they do. They've got their own guy that gets, produces wow. their merch. Uh, they had camera guys. They had stuff like that. But But, hey. They showed up. They had a they had a bottle of tequila waiting for me, which was nice. So we all took tequila, tequila shots. We were doing the podcast. That was good. It was a lot of fun. So enjoyed those guys on uh, this weekend. And um, you know, I, I I don't do a lot of podcasts primarily because I don't get asked, and which is fine. Uh, but they did. They asked and uh, ask and you shall receive. So they uh, invited me over. And when I heard that John Teicher did their podcast, that really blew me away. I was like, 
wow. You guys got Teich here? They did, and uh, John apparently had a good time with them too. So that was that was really a lot of fun. Man, I'm glad you got a chance to do this, Steve. My biggest question is, how do we get the merch person? Because last week we had a chance to actually th- throw out the, <laughs> the Twitter question for know, assistant man. board op. We need the we need the merch person to join us, a merch specialist. Seriously, this guy like designs stuff for them. I'm like, wow. and, and even though they go, this is our merch guy. I go, what? You have a merch guy, so they did. It was it was it was uh, very cool. So let's see if we can fit uh, merch guy in the budget down the line. That would be fun. That really would be fun. So anyway, um, uh, wanted to thank those guys because they were great over the weekend as well. Now we have a ton to talk about today, especially what happened over the weekend. Game sevens everywhere. Game sevens in the NBA. Game sevens in the NHL. The New York Rangers come back from three one down to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you want to know something? I can't say I feel sorry for Penguin fans. You've had it good for a long, long time. All right? Started with Mario Lemieux all the way through, and, of course, Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, everybody else. Hey, the Penguins have had a run that has lasted more than 30 years. So, you know what? Sometimes things have to come to an end. And the fact that the Rangers, who never do anything in the postseason, not since 94, when they went all the way and won the Cup, uh, were able to win this series, uh, felt good. Felt very good. Coming back last night, down 3-2, tying the game, winning it in overtime. That was big time. That really was. And by the way, that wasn't the only fun game that happened because remember, after the Ranger game, what, what else was left? Then you had Dallas and Calgary. And that was a classic. I mean, two game sevens uh, that both went uh, went to overtime. I mean, that just doesn't happen very often, yet it did. And the Flames beat the Stars 3-2. to two. So I think they said it was like the first time since 97 that two game sevens have gone to, to, uh, to overtime, which is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, playoff hockey was so much fun this weekend. Even that Oilers-Kings game in the morning was a lot of fun yesterday, and now it sets up for a, a really, really interesting second round. But with those overtime games that you're mentioning right there, Steve, it was just so exciting. Like the yep. Rangers coming back and doing that and then winning it in overtime, early in overtime as well. Those fans went insane they yesterday. Did. It was just, it looks so cool. I wanted to see the Maple Leafs beat the Lightning. That didn't happen. Uh, what happened? Uh, uh, Tampa Bay is Collapse. just yeah, and Tampa's tough. Tampa Bay is just they, they look. There's a reason why they're the back-to-back Cup champs. They they know how to t- they they know what it takes to win. Backs against the wall, still find a way to get it done. Yeah, and they did it again. I thought that it would be kind of like the Hurricanes beating the Bruins, where you have a new team kind of in the mix and and, and dethroning an older team like that. Uh, but the Lightning stay strong. It's a veteran group moving forward. Sure is. Absolutely, absolutely. So we could talk that. We could talk playoff pucks. We could talk playoff hoops. We've got so much to get to on the show today. Plus, Johnny Lee Higgins is going to join us in our 5 o'clock hour. Wayne Thornton is going to join us in our 6 o'clock hour. Why are they coming? Because of the UTEP Athletics Class of 2022 Hall of Fame announcement. That happened earlier this afternoon. So we'll get both uh, Johnny Lee and also Wayne on the program today. Plus, in the first hour, your phone calls. 505-6009 is our telephone number. That's 505-6009. Great to have you on this Monday edition of Sports Talk as we send it over to Charlie One and get our first traffic update of the afternoon. All right, back here on Sports Talk 22 now past the hour as we continue on the show. 
505-6009, your telephone number to get into Sports Talk today, 505-6009. Johnny Lee Higgins will join us on the phone lines coming up in our 5 o'clock hour, then Wayne Thornton in our Lubingo studios coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. So uh, terrific guests, uh, and we're excited about that. Uh, Adrian, it sounds to me like uh, the two of us and, and our boss, we might, be, we might be spending some golf time together. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've golfed once before with our boss. Uh, he's a good golfer. When I went out there, probably uh, I was probably like eight months into golf or something yeah. like that, so I, I played all right, uh, held my own. But, yeah, he's a pretty good golfer, so I'm excited for that. I, I am, too. I think that'd be a lot of fun for us, really would. Uh, meanwhile, let's talk about what happened in the NBA yesterday, some of these Game 7s that took place. Um, I did not expect Milwaukee and Phoenix to – lay such giant eggs in a winner-take-all game. But we were talking about this before the show, Adrian, and you really believe that ultimately those two teams were so gassed from those first six games that they just had nothing left in the tank for a seventh and deciding game. Which, again, the difference to me between hockey and basketball, okay, is that Look at what, I mean, the Rangers went through a double, or was it a double or a triple overtime game in game one? It might have been triple, triple overtime, overtime in game one, right? That's right. They were down three games to one. They came back and won that series, all right? And and the same thing, like, game sevens in hockey both went to overtime yesterday. Both of them did. In the NBA, I mean, how do you get, how are you down 40 points in a seventh and deciding game? That's what just completely blows me away is looking at how badly the Suns and uh, and the Bucks performed when their seasons were on the line in these winner-take-all games uh, yesterday. Inexcusable, really. I, I look at the um, I, I look at the Phoenix Suns. They had the time to rest, and and that one was the most mind-boggling to me because if you told me Thursday when the series was tied, when the Mavericks blew out the Suns, that uh, that the Phoenix Suns weren't going to bounce back in, in on Sunday and get blown out again, I would have said no way. I, I would I'll take the Suns all day to win it in a Game Seven situation with time. I mean they. Had had two days rest and they go back home on Sunday and Phoenix had nothing uh, to show for in that loss and now you look at the Bucks. that's a different turnaround that's a 48 hour turnaround right there Milwaukee losing a tough game at home not being able to close it out in their uh, in their home stadium which is disappointing in itself and then the Celtics coming to Fizzer Forum and beating the Bucks the way that they did it wasn't close it, it was uh, you know it was close in the first half and the second half Boston blew them out and I felt like Giannis was tired. I felt like players around him were tired, like Pat Connaughton, who couldn't make shots. Drew Holiday would get some buckets, but couldn't make uh, some three-pointers yesterday. And really, no one could. I-, I thought that yesterday's game for the Milwaukee Bucks was very disappointing. And now next year, you know, it's all eyes on the Bucks to see if they could try to bounce back and-, and head back to the finals. How do we explain it? I mean, what do we say? We just say that they ran out of gas? Is that the easiest explanation for what happened? Um, because you're right. I mean... Listen, Milwaukee has arguably one one of, if not the best player in the game today. Okay, now, and you could say the Chris Middleton factor eventually caught up with them. You could, but Phoenix, come on. Phoenix had the best record in the league. They were unstoppable during the regular season. 
Yeah, going to the Bucks real quick with with Giannis. Uh, he did have a co-star in Drew Holiday. Uh, I know he didn't have a Chris Middleton, but look at. I mean, I'm always not, I'm always referencing LeBron, but look at the LeBron teams who went to the you know the finals back when he was with Cleveland. Years sometimes you know sometimes he didn't have Kyrie, sometimes he didn't have Kevin Love, and he still willed his team to the finals year after year, even without the likes of Kyrie and and Kevin Love during that season when they beat the Celtics to go to the finals and then lost to the Warriors in five. But my point is, uh, you know, Giannis tried to put the team on his back and yep. nothing could happen there. I thought the Celtics did a great job defensively. Grant did. Williams did a nice job on Giannis, and he hit some big threes in that game to win. Jason Tatum was sharp in that win. But the Suns, that's the – I have no answer for this one, Steve. Zero answer because all year long the Suns have proven to us time and time again why they're the best or one of the best teams in the NBA – and I thought they just fell completely flat in the past two games. CP3 was a non-factor. Devin Booker couldn't make shots. Cam Johnson was ineffective. And now you're looking into an offseason with DeAndre Ayton, your former number one draft pick, DeAndre Ayton. And he might be leaving the, pro, the team. He might uh, go away as an unre- unrestricted free agent. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, uh, that's all possible right now. And, and I'm like you. I don't get it. I just, for the life of me, cannot figure out what happened to the Phoenix Suns. Because you can make the argument that this was the most talented Phoenix Suns team we've seen since the days of Barkley. Yes, yeah, and not only are they this talented, but you could also argue that this window might be closing. The yeah. Chris Paul, you know, he's he's getting older year after year. He's he's like thirty seven right now. Um, Devin Booker, although he's he's a good player, he's very solid NBA All Star. He's not a superstar, and that's the problem. He's going up against a superstar in Luka Doncic, and Luka got everything he wanted yesterday and more. Thirty five points, and he made it look effortlessly. I mean, he, he did it with with ease yesterday against the Suns, and they have some issues they have some holes they've got to plug those holes this offseason to try to see if they can you know uh, restore themselves back and not and see this uh, not not see this window close so what's going to happen now heat celtics warriors mavericks those are our eastern and western finals uh, coming up i mean is it a foregone conclusion that the warriors are going to beat the mavs and go into the nba finals or could this be the year that the dallas mavericks uh, get back there because remember we got to go back to dirk which wasn't that long ago but it's a Last time the Mavericks were relevant uh, this late into a postseason. I got Celtics Mavs in the finals right now, the way it stands. Um, I think it's great that we've got a, a new representation across the board. I think with the Mavericks, the reason why I pick them, Luka. He's he's taking it to another level yep. right now. He's turning into a superstar right in front of our eyes. And with the with the Golden State Warriors, the problem with them is they had a lot of red flags against the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, dropping that game the way that they lost by forty plus points, losing by fifty at, at one point in that game. Um, you look at Clay Thompson; he's just not what he was once was uh, when he was just so effective as a sharpshooter. Now he's struggling on defense at times. Jordan Poole, I like him as a young player for the. Warriors, but Steph can't do it all. That's that's the bottom line, and he has to have his supporting cast help him out, and they cannot take the Mavericks lightly like the Suns took, I think, the Mavs a little lightly. But does Luka have enough of a supporting cast to get through a team that has so many weapons like the Warriors have? Because you got to remember, I I agree with you, Luka's the best player on the floor, but the Warriors are deep. 
And they've got guys that are battle-tested, know what it takes, can get it done. The Mavs don't have that. They've got Luka and 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 a bunch of other guys, and I don't know if that's going to be enough. It was enough to get by the Suns. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get by the Warriors. I would probably put the Warriors and Suns on the same tier. Now, matchup-wise, they're totally different. I think the Warriors have a way better backcourt than the Suns have a backcourt, but I think the Suns have a deeper roster on their team top to bottom than the Mavs do. So now if you're shortening the game, if you're making this a 7-on-7, like let's let's see your two players come off the bench and things like that, yeah, I do. I'm worried for the Mavericks. I don't know if I trust guys like Reggie Bullock or Maxi Kleba coming off the bench and, and helping yeah. them out in late games situations or crunch time moments but I do think that if if Luca scores over 40 points they're tough to beat like if he goes off and he has an exceptional shooting night no one's able to guard him it's going to be Draymond Green in his ear yeah, but, going- you could, but you could say the same thing about Steph That's who's true. gonna Steph can go off for 40 as easily as Luca can and, and who's gonna be able to stay with Steph Curry that's my biggest problem though this postseason we haven't seen a, a spectacular game from Steph we've seen good games but not like that Steph uh, type of game and he's going to need at least two of those games in this series in order to get to the NBA Finals. If he wants this title, he's going to have to go out and win it and try to win it for the Warriors. You want to weigh in? We'd love to hear from you right now. 915-505-6009. That's the telephone number to get into Sports Talk. 915-505-6009. You can also tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, or chime in on our free mobile app powered by United Bank and chat with us while you're listening in real time. All right, let's send it over to Adrian for SportsCenter. Come back with more in a moment here on 600 TSPN El Paso. Thank you very much as we continue here on Sports Talk. So uh, Doug Gottlieb said on his uh, show today that he believes Luca is the closest thing we've seen to Larry Bird since Larry Bird. And that's a really interesting comparison because if you look at Luca's numbers this year, 28 points per game, third in the league, 9.1 rebounds per game, 19th in the league, 8.7 assists per game, fifth in the league. I mean, what he's done is nothing short of spectacular. Oh, and by the way, he's 23 years old. Now he goes 6'7", 230, so he's built like a tank. Um, The thing with Larry Legend to me was – he always had eyes in the back of his head. I always felt like when you watched the highlights of Bird and the assists and the passes and how he was always able to make the no-look passes and all that, I mean, do you feel the same way when you watch Luca on the floor like you're watching Larry Bird 40 years later? No, because uh, Luka Doncic plays like a upgraded version of James Harden mixed with Dirk Nowitzki because he's going to make the shot that Dirk makes. Uh, he, he'll make the big shot like Larry Bird makes, but he's he uh, is more of a ISO passer like James Harden. Think of the clearouts that we see with James Harden all the time, where everybody plays five wide on the perimeter and no one is attacking the paint, no one's playing like that team basketball. So when Luca's taking a guy one on one driving to the hoop, he's then dishing it out on a flashy pass. Maybe it's yeah. a no look pass to the corner, but it's it's ugly kind of basketball, not pretty basketball. Which uh, Larry Bird uh, knows exactly how to play. He's wow. passing inside. He's creating for guys and making them look good. Listen, Larry Bird was a magician, all right? Larry Bird was spectacular. And it's not to say that Luka's not a great player, but you got to realize something, okay? Um, and, and this is no uh, disrespect to Doug Gottlieb, but Larry Bird could easily be considered one of the top three players in the history of basketball, all right? Everybody. And we're talking about, you know, Jordan. 
We're talking about, you, you can mention LeBron, Kobe, Russell, Chamberlain, all of them. So, I mean, if you want to make the argument that Bird's in your top three, I'm not going to dispute that because what Larry was able to do during his career was nothing short of spectacular. Always was. And plus, um, and this is the one thing that you got to understand, okay? Larry Bird had a mean streak to him. He did. He talked trash, and he and he beats you talking trash to you. I don't know if Luka does that. I've never heard of Luka's a huge trash talker. But Larry was the kind of player that would tell you exactly what he would do to beat you with the game on the line, and then he'd go and do it to the point where he would tell you, all right, I'm going to get the ball off of here. Then there's going to be a pick set for me. I'm going to go right there, and then I'm going to make the shot with no time left on the clock. And he'll tell that to you, and you're guarding him. And then he does the exact same thing and beats you exactly like he told you. Now, that is, it's one thing being a star. It's something else when you've got the kind of confidence when you could tell, you tell your opponent, here's how I'm beating you tonight, and you do the exact thing you tell him, and you beat him. You know, I've noticed that Luca is a smack talker on the court, but no, nowhere to the to the level that Larry Bird is and was when he was playing at his peak. And Larry Bird, by a lot of historians and a lot of accounts, is known as the greatest smack talker, maybe in all of sports, not just basketball, but like in all of sports. So Luca's chirping here and there. Uh, you know, yet yesterday he he really made his feud with Devin Booker public and was like laughing at him and yeah. doing this pouty face at him and stuff like that, but also different eras. Like, you're talking about an era right now that we're living in where Luca's coming here from Europe. Uh, these American players who've uh, played on the same AAU teams or the same Olympic teams, or national teams, whatever it is, they know each other. So it's a little di- it's different talking smack to guys you know versus guys that maybe you grew up with and then you're playing against them now that they're coming here to America from Europe and the League. So it's totally different like that. Tweet coming in, 600 ESPN El Paso. This comes from uh, at Tortuga EP. Shell Yeah tweets the show to you, Adrian. Dude, you are totally clueless. Warriors in five. So there you go. That is a Warriors fan who believes that the Mavs will fall easily to uh, Golden State, who will move back into the NBA title picture uh, and winning in five. Hey, this this title, I mean, right now, today, Caesars uh, opened up on their, their odds on favorites. It's the Warriors to win the finals. And that, sh- you know, they, they should go to the finals. They should win the finals right now, the way things are uh, laid out for everybody right now in, in the playoffs. They're the more experienced bunch. They have guys who've been there before and won titles before. So hey, it's up to the Warriors to actually win this one. Now, will they do it? I, that's, an, that's another question right there. Uh, Warriors in five, I think that's a little ambitious, even if that happens, uh, I would be really surprised, you know, when it's all said and done. 39 past the hour as we continue. If you want to weigh in on the uh, Western Conference Finals, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 505-6009 is our telephone number. You can also uh, tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso or weigh in on our uh, chat feature as well. Taking a look at the chats. Uh, from Pinky, he wants to know, has Golden State announced head coach Steve Kerr will be on the bench for the Western Conference Finals? 
Not yet. Uh, I know that they want him back as soon as possible. Steve Kerr was out due to COVID-19 in contracting that. And actually, as of yesterday, the Warriors do welcome him back. So they said that he cleared health and safety protocols as of just yesterday. So Ah. he has rejoined the team. All right. Also, I want to say hello to Edsel Hedales from uh, California, sir. La Paz, Baja, California. Uh, Edsel listening to the program and uh, chiming in on Friday's show in the final hour. So greetings to you, Edsel, and uh, thank you for tuning in and messaging us on our mobile app powered by United Bank. Great way to do it. Come back to wrap up our number one and still to come. Johnny Lee Higgins, 20 minutes away. Looking forward to visiting with uh, one of my favorites as Sports Talk continues Right here, 600 ESPN, El Paso. A while ago, uh, Adrian, I don't know what to make of this. Ric Flair is going to have one last wrestling match. One last match before he decides to call it a career. Ric Flair is 73 years old. So he is going to step into the ring at the Nashville Fairgrounds on an independent card that's going to stream live on Fight TV. So here's a guy. He hasn't wrestled in a match since September of 2011. That's almost 11 years ago. And in that match, he wrestled Sting. His last WWE match was in 2008 at WrestleMania 24 against Shawn Michaels. Now, Flair's opponent for July 31st remains unclear. It's also unknown if it's going to be a singles or a tag match. Here's what Flair said to ESPN in a statement. I'm going to walk that aisle one last time to prove once and for all that to be the man, you've got to beat the man. One of the classic Flair uh, statements. So... Also, his final match will take place the day after WWE SummerSlam, which also happens to be in Nashville. So, um, again, 73 years old, you know, he probably, it's, I mean, I don't know. It seems crazy because the poor guy almost died about four or five years ago. He had major, major health issues. He had kidney failure, dialysis treatment. He was hospitalized for more than a month. He needed bowel surgery. Wow. So, and now he's ready to go. But as uh, uh, Chad Middleton just pointed out via texting the show, Jerry the King Lawler is still wrestling. And believe it or not, Vince McMahon wrestled against Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. And and I think Vinnie Mac has got to be at least by now... 75 or 76. So he stepped into the ring to wrestle. So, you know what? Pro wrestling is ageless, right? Doesn't matter how old you are. You could step into the ring if you're in your 70s, just like you can get into the ring if you're in your 20s. Yeah, like Vince McMahon, you're exactly right, 76 years old. You look at Jerry the King Lawler, he he is 72 years old. So, Ric Flair fits right in, I guess. He does. And, and um, you know, I'm curious to know if it's going to be a tag team match, if it will involve either his daughter or maybe if it's not his daughter because she's on the WWE uh, Roster, circuit. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe it's his daughter's fiance, Andrade El Idolo, 
who also wrestles, according to what I'm reading right now. That would be interesting. Yeah. He, Andrade was also one of the uh, WWE wrestlers uh, a few years ago. He, oh, got, he got released. He was part of the cuts. Okay. He uh, um, And so they wrestled together in Mexico City last August. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. For the AAA promotion. All right. Well, Sting's still wrestling, and he's in his 60s. Okay. Okay. So That's I would just love guys. to know. Maybe he'll wrestle Hulk Hogan, who's also oh, in man. his 70s. That would be great. Hulk Hogan against Ric Flair. Yeah, that, that would be awesome right there. We got it. We got oh, it down. I don't know. Who would you like to see Ric Flair wrestle? You can always tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso, with your suggestions. Johnny Lee Higgins. He's going into the Utah Athletic Hall of Fame, and he's next. He'll join us live at 5 as Sports Talk continues. Ah, the Ric Flair story is getting a lot of play on uh, Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso. Both Adrian Tellus and Joseph Ortiz throwing us some woos. And they, uh, by the way, Joseph, I have, will not be tagging with Ric Flair. Thank you, but that is not something I will do. Golfing, yes. Wrestling, no. I enjoy watching it, not wrestling. Chris Banks uh, found video of uh, Ric Flair actually um, still training right now for his big match in July and put that up on Twitter. So thank you for that. Here is a uh, Raw from 15 years ago, November 26, 2007, when Ric Flair was going to be rumored to be retiring. He was 57 or 58 at the time, and now he's 73. Here's what he said then. It still holds true today. I have to announce to you, That I will never retire! <laughs> I will only retire when I'm dead in this ring! Wow! I'm not that announcement! Over my dead body! I've got too much juice left! Woo! I'm still an itch boy! I love this business! I'm going nowhere! Thank you! That was 15 years ago, Adrian. So um, nothing's changed. Uh, he's a little older, but he's he still wants he still wants to wrestle. He's 73. Same spirit. Same, uh, just different year. I wonder if he would wrestle our next guest. I wonder if our next guest would ever want to get into the ring with with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. We'll have to find out. Uh, he is former Utah Miner uh, and Oakland Raider, and now he is part of the class of 2022 for the Utah Athletics Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome into the program. Johnny Lee Higgins Jr. Welcome back, Johnny Lee. How are you today? Man, I'm doing wonderful, man. Just came to El Paso and I'm back in the EP and just chilling with a couple of friends, man. How long have you been back in town, Johnny? I got in at 9 30 this morning. Oh, beautiful. Perfect timing. How long are you in town till? Um, I leave Wednesday morning. I came here for a special event. Um my trainer. One always treated me right, Dawn Hearn. She's retiring, so I had to come and see her. Oh, that's awesome! That is awesome. So showing up for Dawn's uh, retirement, and what a bonus! You come into town, and then we find out the news that you uh, have been uh, inducted or will be inducted later this year into the YouTube Athletics Hall of Fame. What a uh, what a, a moment for you! Yes, sir. Is you know a lot of smiles on my face. Uh, I didn't told my mom, I didn't told my whole family, and so everybody's trying to prepare to come down this way um, to see it. You know, it, like I say, it, it, it's a blessing. 
Man, it's really a blessing. I don't know if you remember this, but I did a broadcast back your senior year, and I was right there at the Sun Bowl doing the radio show. I had you, and I think I had Jordan Palmer together, and then we also had Thomas Howard on the show. It was like a, it was awesome because you know you guys all played together and had just a legendary run at UTEP, and you guys were going to bowl games. You were you were setting records for yourself. What a time that was. Man, it and like I say, my I tell everybody, man, my time at UTEP, man, it, it it was perfect, man. It was just, it was just amazing. You know, when I first got here, it showed like how much I've grown and how much, you know, it it just taught me a lot. I tell everybody all the time, man. I always come back because UTEP is is my second home, born and raised in Swinney, Texas, and Higgins, Texas. But UTEP is it, it is my second home. I remember, and I know it, and that's why I, I think for so many uh, minor fans, and they look back on that time and and what it was like for you know for the program, and obviously for for you and everybody else associated, uh, it was huge, and there were some uh, some incredible players that you yeah. were that you played alongside. In fact, we just had Quentin Demps uh, here uh, a few days a few days back. He was on the show. Yeah, and man, Quinn. Man, it was just like Quinn taught me, and it was just like we, we all learned from each other. Like a lot of players, like I say, it was tough just at practice because everybody wanted to compete against each other, and it was just a whole a big competition. You know, we're trying to do each other dirty, you know, just, oh, yeah, I made a play up on you. I did this on you. You know, we talked noise, and it's just like we just kept pushing each other. And so that's like I can't take, like, all the success, like, for myself because – it came from so many angles, from the defense, from the offense, with the coaches, me learning offenses, me learning defenses, how to look at, you know, just how to look at different things. And it's just like, you know, I'm grateful for it. And then when I get to Oakland, I got T. Howard as my teammate. And he's showing me ropes, telling me some things, you know. And so it's just, like I say, man, everything is just a big blessing for me right now. Just out of curiosity, Johnny Lee, when you arrived at UTEP, how many stars were you rated as a prospect out of high school? Do you remember? Me? You. <laughs> I can tell this. I can tell I tell this people tell people the story all the time. Like my my goal was to go to LSU. Had offers, had everything, but it was just things happened and like I say, everything happened for a reason. And it was just like my mind was just set. I just I told my mom, I was like, Hey, I'm going to Utah. And from then on, she's like she supported me when I first got here and it was just like, man, I remember like my first year, everything was like, you know, they was telling me about Chris Morrow, Chris Morrow this and I was like, Okay, I gotta meet this guy and then next thing you know, it's like I'm behind him, I'm behind him, I'm not touching nothing, you know, Chris Morrow's first and I'm just like, Man, I gotta I gotta um show myself, I gotta prove myself. And so when coach when coach um um coach Price and them came, it was crazy because they came on forty day. And I remember, man, me, Chris Francis, Aaron Gibbons and Joe West, we was all sitting up there. And I'm the smallest guy. I'm one seventy, one seventy two max. Them guys is two hundred. They're like they're typical receiver size, you know, and they look like receivers. And 
I remember Coach Price coming down and he asked Chris Francis, hey, what are you going to run? Chris told him his time. AJ told him his time. Joe West told him his time. And so I'm like, me, I'm knowing I'm fasting, all of them. So I'm like, okay, so I'm just to blow his mind when I tell him my time. And he walks past me. And I'm like, what the? You know, I'm like, okay. So when we went down there, and me and Adrian um, Ward, I, I, I stay at his house, him and Jen, I come and stay at their house. And every time I come to town, because like I say, like, they help me out a lot. And it's like, every time I come to town, like, that's who I call first. And so we go, and he was just like, man, I was like, Alex Obamese was my roommate. And I said, hey, Obo, bring my stuff to the house. And he's like, wow, what's going on? I say, no, just bring my stuff to the house. Don't worry about it. And he's like, okay. So I ran a 40 that day, and I want to say I ran a 428. And I kept running up the stairs to the bleachers, past the locker room, and I kept running all the way to the dorm room. And I was just like, y'all going to have to call me, you know, because I'm just like, I'm mad because I'm just like, you didn't even acknowledge me, Coach Price, you know. And, man, I talk about it all the time, and it was just like from that point on, you know, he coached me into how to use my speed, how to, you know, look at the defense and everything. It was just like a big relationship. And it was like more, they weren't just my coach, like my, the whole team, everything is, we're family now. And that's where all my success comes from, and I tell everybody that. When did Coach Price acknowledge you after you ran your 428? If you ran all the way back to the dorms, how long did it take for him to finally catch up with you and, uh, and, and try to get that relationship going? When, when, I got, when, they, when they got to the office, he called my cell phone because they was just like, hey, well, where did he go? And he called, he called my cell phone, and I answered. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be back down there. And I came back and we talked about it. <laughs> I love it. That's a great story, Johnny Lee. Johnny Lee Higgins Jr. joining us here on Sports Talk as, as we continue. By the way, that first season with Coach Price, that's when you really started to uh, you know, experience success. You, you, know, you didn't have any touchdown catches your freshman year. You did have a touchdown run that first season, but then – you have 10 touchdown catches, 700 yards receiving as a sophomore, nine touchdown catches, and 837 yards as a junior. And in your senior year, 13 touchdowns and 1,319 yards. So it just got better and better and better for you each season. And, and like I say, a lot of that comes from like me and uh, just working with the quarterbacks, being in the meetings with the quarterbacks and just seeing what they see. And just, you know, Coach Coach Price, Eric Price, you know, he's telling me, look, you know, look at this, this, you know, and he just moved me around. They don't want me to just play X. He wanted to play X. He wanted to play A. He wanted to play Y. He wanted to be able to move me around. So, and not only that, just, you know, help other people. Like I say, I can't, I can't take all of it because, like I say, I had Jason Board up on the other one side. I had Chris Francis on the other side. I'm in, up in the middle. I had... Um, Daniel Robinson, I had him, I had Joe West. It was so many people, and it was just like me, like with Coach Price, you know, helping me and me being very knowledgeable about it because what he's teaching me. And it's just like, okay, now we're up on the field, I'm talking, okay, is Monturi, all the other young people and all the people that are still my age, they're looking at me too, and I'm helping them help me. And so it was just, you know, it's just 
it was just a big old like just learning experience. It was just you know, just like I say, just bonding. Johnny Lee, I want to ask you this about you know you're everybody knows that you are the career leader uh, in at UTEP in receiving yards and in touchdown uh, receptions that you had. What would what kind of numbers would you be posting in today's football era in, in an era that throws the ball as often as they do now and uh, you know it's it's a, a, ver- a very vertical game. What kind of numbers would you be posting in today's game? Me. I will, every year, like the way they're throwing the ball now, I would, I would try to be a two thousand uh, yard receiver because it's just like, and, and like when I'm up on the field, like right now, like off the field, I'm very humble. Like you'll never hear me brag about myself or anything like that. But when I'm up on the field, I'm a different person. I'm a hundred percent different person. I'm talking noisy, and I'm telling you, look. I'm about to beat you. I'm about to do this. That's just how it was because it's just like on the field, I'm like, we're not going to win without me. And that's in my head. And so whatever, whether it's a block, whether it's a catch, no matter what it is, I just always like, that's just how I was. And I was like, I'm the only person that can guard me. And that's just how I was upon the field. And so I tell George, hey, what the hell are you doing? Give me the ball. I need the ball. And so it was, but it's just like, you know what I'm saying? Everything comes up in the play, you know. I know the running back will get his, that's going to help open up the pass game. And so it's just like the pass game will help, help out the running game. But like I say, I was all about, you know, I want the ball. I want all the static. I want everything. Johnny Lee, can you hang with us through the break? Because I have more questions for you. I definitely want to bring some yes. more stuff up. All right. We've got yes, sir. Johnny Lee Higgins Jr. with us. If you've got any questions, you can always tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso. Come back with more in a moment. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk, back with Johnny Lee Higgins Jr., part of the class yes, of 2022, the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame. By the way, it's a great class. Former minor quarterback uh, John Furman is uh, also part of the class, as is shot put and discus champ uh, Fred uh, um, uh, DiBarnardi. You've got Jennifer Smith, the track and field star, plus the 74-75 UTEP basketball, uh, women's basketball team, and the 74 UTEP volleyball team. So quite a class. Johnny Lee, looks like you're coming back in town in September because you'll be honored against Boise on the 23rd. What a game that's going to be. And then your official enshrinement will be the following night. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. By the way, um, uh, you know, I asked you a question earlier, and, and you answered it with your uh, your four your four two eight speed. The reason I asked you about how many stars you were coming out of high school is I know UTEP was never one to go out and get four and five star athletes. Most of the stars were usually two stars, occasionally a three star, and it just goes to show you that you didn't have to be a four or a five to have an opportunity to star here and play in the NFL. No, sir. Um, actually, um, Coach Raffert and Coach Nord, when they came to recruit me, they didn't even come to a single game. They 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 they, they came to zero football games. They came to my basketball game. Ah, that is an interesting and, thing. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> even guess that, huh? Because I was like I say, I I I, I loved basketball, and that that was just I, that that was me my whole life, you know. Um, fifth grade um i 
dunked, you know, you play on the little goals. I dunked eight foot goal. Eighth grade, I dunked the 10 foot goal. So it was just like, I was more known, like, really around my town for more basketball than, than football. I, my, my whole thing was football. I was just like, ah, because I didn't know if I wanted to play it. I had a basketball scholarship to um, Baylor and some other little schools for basketball. And Coach Price, Gilbert Price, uh, my high school coach, he was like, I see you going in football, which I didn't think of because I love basketball. So I'm like, ah. So when I came, I was like, man, you know what? I'll give it a try. And the reason I didn't like football because, or track, because I didn't know how fast I was. When I caught the ball, I ran because I didn't want to get hit. Not because I cannot run everybody. It's just I didn't want to get hit. And so with me not wanting to get hit, it just, you know, exploding something different. And, and I, like I said, I, I ran with it. And then we go and run 40s one day. I'm like, okay, I'm, look like I am a little, little fast. So <laughs> let, let's see what this is going to be about. And that's what happened. And I just kept on working up on the working on speed. Well, my coach said, hey, man, you're not going to be the biggest person. You got one thing you got more than everybody is speed. And so that's one thing I, I worked on, worked on, worked on. Me and Howie and Dempse and Thomas Howard, we always talk going to each other. Because like I said, me and Howie, we come from the same county. We knew each other in high school. And so it was just like, now it's like, okay. Mine is faster than yours. Mine is faster than yours. And still to this day, because I still hang around Howie back at home. And he's a uh, man, if I would have been there two more years, if I wouldn't have read shirt, I'd be like, hey, don't tell me that. Hey, I'm holding the record at UTEP. You ain't going to never be fast. And you ain't going back to UTEP and outrunning me or anything like that. And he's one of them. Hey, well, let's lay stuff right now. No, uh-uh. I like to hold the crown right now when I'm at. <laughs> Did you ever try and talk Mike Price into letting you uh, also play basketball since when you arrived, that's around the time when UTEP's basketball program was getting that transformation under Billy Gillespie? Mm-hmm. And so that was my thing. So Nord, he told me, hey, if you, if you come, if you want to play basketball, you, you can go and try for it. I'm not going to stop you. And so that was one of the deals, too, that I can go and go for basketball. And so when, when, all this, when all this came down, you know, all said and done, a lot of things happened, you know, with the coach getting fired. And I talked to him because I played a lot of intramural. And it just, it just didn't – it wouldn't have worked out my, that way. It wouldn't have been in my favor. All right. That's fair. But, hey, listen, I'm happy that UTEP was going to at least give you the opportunity. That's important. You know, they could have just yes, said sir. no uh, no basketball for you, just football. But, you know, at least they gave you that uh, gave you that chance. We're, we're chatting yeah. right now with Johnny Lee Higgins Jr. here on Sports Talk, part of the 2022 UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame class. JoJo Ortiz tweets the show with this question for you, Johnny. He tweets, Johnny, if there was any advice you could give a young kid – trying to navigate the common era of the football game today, what would you say? Man, honestly, I would just really just tell him to say, stay focused and you know what you want to do 
and don't let nobody tell you what you can and you can't do because you're in control of your own destination. And that that was the thing about me. You ask my mom, you can ask my dad. I never let nobody tell me what I can't do. And when people tell me what I can't do something, it pushed me harder to do what they said I can't do. So it's like, like I tell like people, people say, hey, Johnny, you can't fly. So overnight, I'm going to try to grow wings just so I can show you that I can fly. And that was, that, that's me my whole life. And so, like I say, study the game because the game is steadily changing. And study the game, and like I say, you be your own challenge. Challenge yourself to do better, to be smarter, to be quicker, to be stronger, to be faster. Everything. Speaking of the new generation of players, Johnny, we've interviewed some current UTEP football players, some who grew up as UTEP fans, and those who grew up as UTEP fans and now are UTEP players like wide receiver Ray Flores, they've often referenced your name like, hey, I used to come to the Sun Bowl and watch Johnny Lee Higgins play. Kind of full circle now that they're playing and uh, you know, you're getting a chance to be inducted into the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's crazy because like I say, when I do come back, I come back wearing my UTEP jersey because like that's something I'm proud of. I made it. You know, I made it to UTEP. I made it to the next level. I made it to the level after that. But every time I come back, you see me at a game, bang. You're going to see me in the Johnny Higgins jersey. Not because I want to throw my name. It's just because I'm proud of what I did. Everything I did at UTEP, and you know what I'm saying, for me to, you know, inspire people. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and I let people know that, I'm a normal person. I'm still a normal person. I don't let fame or anything get to my head because, like, you know, I'm still like you. That's why people, hey, can I take a picture with you? Can I do this? Yes, of course you can. Thank you. Thank you for asking. In 19, actually, uh, 2008, Johnny Lee, 2008, you're 25 years old. You're in your second year with the Oakland Raiders. And you did something that season that was pretty spectacular. You had four receiving touchdowns and three uh, punt returns for touchdowns. So seven touchdowns that season is by far and away your best year in in terms of scoring. You tell me, when you look back on on your time with Oakland, what exactly clicked for you in in that second season that gave you a chance to have so many uh, spectacular plays? I learned because, like, at first when I was there, it was like, in my mind, it's all about me. So I'm like, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But in naturality, like, I can't do nothing without my teammates. And so it's just like, my, still one of my closest friends, I did have to do special teams, group, like, he died, that's him. Ike was like every special teams. Ike, like, he knows what he's doing. He knows what everybody's doing. And so, it, like, he, it's like one time I went up there and I see the, the flyer coming down up on me. And, and I, and I said to my man, he's going to stick me. So let me try to catch it. Stanford route, he blocked the guy. He was just like, hey, what's your friend catching for? And I'm like, hell, I thought he was about to knock me out. He's like, no, no, I got him. So I went to the side. Like, hey, if you want to believe in you, you gotta believe in us. And so I'm like, okay. And then it's like from then on out, I just start trusting my team. And I, I tell people all the time, 
it's they they made me. Is it hard to believe that you're 12 years removed from your uh, football career? No, not really. And honestly, it was like when I stopped, it it taught me a lot. Because like now I'm really enjoying life. Everything is not just football. It's my life. And so it was like, like I say, I look back at it and it's still like, still to this day, it's like back at home. I train people. So it's like the youngsters that's coming up, I give them advice. I tell them and like, not just, I'm, I'm on, I'm not just out there just training them. I'm out there with them. I'm showing them. Hey, I can still get down. <laughs> Don't think you just, just, just run past. No. Uh-uh. And so it's just like, it's like, I, I never, I've been removed from it, but I haven't been removed from it. Good answer. I love it. We're going to wrap things up with Johnny Lee in a moment, but first, let me send it back to Adrian for a Sports Center update. We'll continue this conversation in two minutes here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Johnny Lee Higgins Jr. right now here on Sports Talk. Now, you mentioned that you're um, you know, getting a chance to work with youngsters these days. Did you move back to Sweeney, Texas? Where are you living, Johnny? I li- I'm not all the way back in Sweeney, Texas. I'm in um, Rocheron. It's really, literally, in the middle between Houston and where I, where um, I grew up at. And oh, so nice. it's that's you know I get back and forth, go wherever I want to go, and you know I'm only 15, 20 minutes away. How big is Rocheron, Texas? Um, it's still smaller. Where I'm at, it's the little place is called Bonnie, and it's actually smaller than Sweeney. But I'm like I said, I'm a country boy. So I'm out there in the country. I can hunt, I can fish, I can do whatever I want to do. And like I say, it's, I don't have to worry about the big city lights. Good for you. Now, do you start a family? Do you have kids? Anything like that? We're working on it. I'm, wor- I'm working on it. There you go. So, good answer. I like that one. <laughs> I like that. That sounds, that yes, sounds good to me. Now, um, I'm assuming that uh, based on your time in the NFL – you will always be a Raider. And for people that, um, you know, have had a chance to either root for the Raiders, follow them, or attend games, they know for you to wear the silver and black, what was it like to play in front of those fans, especially in Oakland? Well, this is what, on my me getting drafted, that's a whole completely different story. That, that day, that night, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. We had a plan on everything, but for me, and I told my mom, uh, it's a letter I wrote way, way, way back. I want to say elementary, and I I had two things. I was like, it's either I'm going NFL, I'm going NBA, one of the two. I always always say that. So when I got drafted, everybody went crazy. Everything went wild. The whole Sweeney little town went wild. And so it was like me processing everything. And I just told my mom, I say, if I just run out that tunnel one time, I did everything I wanted to do in my life. And that was it. Like, I could have ran out that tunnel and played one game and got and got cut. I would have been happy with my life. But time kept going. I kept playing. I kept playing. And it was just like the Raider fans, like, 
in the league that they're they are the best fans. Like I don't know no other fans that could really top them because they are what they say they are. You know, everything everything they are, the people say they are, that's what they are. Like they're they're fun, they're crazy, they're down for their team, greater till they die. Like that's that's really it. And it's a great experience. Great like a, a real great crazy experience. And I'm telling you, man, it's I loved it. I, I loved every every moment of it. When you were drafted, did Al Davis make the call? No. Lane Kiffin made the call. Oh, wow. Lane Kiffin Kiffin made the call. Okay. And like I say, man, it was it was crazy. Well, I want to know man, yeah, I want to know what your first meeting with Al Davis was like. I ran into um, Al D in um, the hallway. So it was like it, we really didn't have a meeting, you know. Everybody just say, you know, hey, is Al Davis, he going to be, you know, he walks, he looks at everything and he's looking at everybody, he, you know, so you're not going to get away from it. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And then next thing you know, walk through the hallway after practice and – and I run into him. And crazy thing about Al Davis, like Al Davis knows his players. And we was there. He's just like, yeah, I remember that time, you know, in college, where, you know, you caught a ball on the sideline and you could have scored, but you want to talk noise because I was just like, damn, that was New Mexico State. I remember because I was talking noise to that DB. I was like, man, you can't come. Like, what's wrong? Like, I'm talking noise. And then I catch a ball on it, which I clearly could have just turned around and ran and scored. But when I caught it, he flew off me, and I talked noise to him and was about to turn around and run. And his other um, safety or cornerback came and tackled me. <laughs> and But he was just like, you know, he just tell you, like, hey, I know everything, don't, you know, Get it together, you know. We need you. We want you. The reason you're here is, you know, because I want you here. And like I say, man, Al D, he was always good with me. Like, I have no questions. I have nothing negative to say about him because, like I say, he was he's been good to me. He's always been good to me. Johnny, who's your favorite player who's currently playing in the NFL right now as far as a receiver goes? Right now? The crazy thing is, I really don't watch the NFL like like I do because Peyton Manning was my favorite all time. I mean, he's still my favorite all time player. But if I was to go right now with a player, I was I, I, I like DK Metcalf. I like him. Like he, that's, that that dude is a big dude. Is a big dude, and so it's just like you know, just just watching him play. You know, at that size, and you know, it's fast. He, you know, he 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 he's good. You can't take nothing from him because you know, <laughs> it's hard. Final question, then we'll let you run, man, because you've been great with your time today. We appreciate that. Um, as you get ready for. Hall of Fame induction uh, in September. How do you want UTEP fans to remember you? I want them to remember me as 
a great player who's always, like, never forgot how he got to the position that he got. Because, like I say, man, the fans, oh, oh my goodness. The fans, they cheered me on. It's like, I did stuff with the community, and it's just like me. It's like I say, this is my second home. I, I, I never forgot where I came from. I never, you know, it's just like, they're always going to be a part of me. And like I say, I, I did it for me, and I did it for, for them as well. And so I want them just to remember me as, hey, he's a great guy, and he's not the big-headed guy. He's just a good guy. And if I get if I get away with just being a good guy, I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. Well, now you can add Hall of Famer to your name, and that's even more important and more impressive. So congratulations. You're not just a good guy, but now you're a Hall of Famer. And uh, we want to congratulate you and uh, and thank you for being so great on the show today, Johnny Lee. Terrific yes. stuff. Uh, man, and I appreciate Like I say, I'll pass on back, and I'm, and I'm here, and I'll never forget what y'all have done for me. Have a good time for the next couple days. Say hi to Dawn Hearn for us, and uh, I'll look forward to talking to her soon enough. And in the meantime, uh, we'll talk again in September when you come back. Johnny Lee, thanks again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Johnny Lee Higgins Jr., folks, uh, joining us here on Sports Talk. All right, 19 in front of six. When we come back, Adrian's movie review. We'll do that and get ready for Wayne Thornton. He'll join us in our Lubingo studios to begin our 6 o'clock hour. It's all coming up right here. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. It is that time, time for Adrian's Movie Review, where every day Adrian uh, looks at another classic from the 80s or 90s that he has not seen and since the list is long and lots and lots of movies have to be reviewed adrian is now just going up and down the list coming up with a new movie to talk about each and every day adrian what movie will you be reviewing for our listeners here today coincidentally steve since we had johnny lee higgins jr on the show i watched johnny be good this oh, weekend. There how funny you go. is that? Johnny be good. <laughs> um, nice. When I was googling this one online, this one was uh, this one was made in 1988. It was an hour and thirty, very short movie. I watched it yesterday on the Roku channel, which is free. But there are a lot of free channels you could watch this. Pluto TV, Tubi. You could also watch this on Amazon Prime if you do have a subscription. Uh, IMDb gave it four out of ten. Ugh. Metacritic gave it ten percent oh, out of a hundred. What a crappy set of reviews that is all right i'll just jump into it johnny walker is the top recruit at uh, at a high school and everybody everybody wants him as far as colleges go he's the quarterback and they're willing to throw everything at him cash women uh cars tuition everything and it's it's so funny to watch this but like halfway through i was like all right what am i watching everybody but then i thought about it and i was like wait this is a perfect movie with the nil rules and all the nil stuff happening right now so his girlfriend wants him to go to state university with him uh his best friend who is robert downey jr a young robert downey jr wants uh, him to wait for the best deal and that's leo his best friend the coach wants him to go with him i'm talking about the coach to an, to this university where he is going to be hired 
under the condition that he can bring Johnny Walker on board Ooh. with him. So all these different schools want him. He goes to visit State University, which, again, that's where his girlfriend's going. State University says, hey, come here. We'll give you an honest tuition. We'll give you a good education, and we'll give, give you an opportunity to compete for the starting quarterback job. not You're not going to be given anything if you come here. And the coach uh, also warns him about illegal gifts, or it's like an athletic director, whatever. And, and so he tells him all this stuff. So then fast forward, Johnny and, and uh, his friend Leo get uh, caught up in jail. So they're jailed. Uh, it was like a sexual assault thing that was uh, accusation that came up there. It wasn't actually ha- uh, didn't actually happen. And then the coach even threatens to blackmail him and says, like, hey, if you don't go to this school and sign with me to the school where I'm going to be coaching at you know we're going to make sure that you're in jail and that you're in trouble left and right so all this is going on and then it comes up to signing day which is funny you, you flash forward to now and signing day it's broadcast on television you can see it on ESPN for certain signees that's right well Johnny Walker in this story right here Steve he's getting ready for signing day comes around and he says he doesn't want to go anywhere he, he turns all the schools down <laughs> and he says that hey I want to I want to have an opportunity to go somewhere where people want me for me it was kind like a more than an athlete type of thing and so then all so go of, to utep well, yeah exactly right <laughs> <laughs> uh all out of out of the blue which i was like what is going on here an ncaa recruiting official comes up and says hey i've been wa- monitoring this whole recruiting situation and this university this university and this university they all violated rules including the coach who's going to be hired and bring all these players along with him so uh yeah he, all these schools get hit with the recruiting infraction and uh you know the story ends with johnny going off to state university and getting an honest college degree uh steve this would never happen in 2022 this is long <laughs> gone uh i think uh if this was a 2022 version of johnny be good we're talking about him siding with that uh, school that offered him the car and all the women cash and everything that he wanted so that would be the case in 2022 how many bananas uh, does this classic get Steve, this one got a plain banana for me. Five out of ten bananas. It was it was uh, going sideways at one point. I thought it was going to get a, a two or three bananas for me, but uh, the nil relationship, uh, kind of like uh, you know comparison, that brought it up to five. A very plain banana for me. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall, he was Johnny Walker. You mentioned Robert Downey Jr. Paul Gleason was in this movie. Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. was in this movie. That's right, yeah. Uh, so was Jennifer Tilly. Uh, there were a lot. Howard Cosell and Jim McMahon made cameos in this one. So a lot of famous actors. Yeah, most definitely. And they brought the sports people out for it. So Cosell, I like it. There you go. Too bad it couldn't save the bananas from you. All right. Johnny, be good, not so good says Adrian Broadus. When we come back inside our Lubingo studios, we'll have the one and only Wayne Thornton. He'll talk about two of the teams that have been inducted or will be inducted into the Utah Athletics Hall of Fame. That's still to come as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, final hour underway. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. It's so nice and we can get guests in our 600 ESPN El Paso, Lubingo Studios, especially this man. He's Wayne Thornton, who, when we heard the news today about the 74 volleyball team and the 74-75 UTEP women's basketball team getting into the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame, we thought, who better than to have the man that was an assistant coach 
on that uh, inaugural team with uh, Carol Ackerman, and we figured you know, let's let's bring him in right now. And fortunate for us, Wayne was available, and here he is. Uh, good to see you, and uh, thanks for dropping in. How you doing, hey, Steve? Good to see you as well. Thank you for having me in. I appreciate that, Wayne. And uh, given your relationship with UTEP women's basketball and uh, over the years, and really women's sports for that matter, I thought uh, you would be the perfect person to come in and and talk about this. You know, Johnny Lee Higgins um, will probably be the headliner because he's only 15 years removed from his career at UTEP. But, um, you know, reading the bios, of some of the other uh, Hall of Famers that are that are now going to be joining Johnny Lee, what a group! I mean, first off, you look at John Furman and what he did at UTEP in the late '50s and early '60s, which was then Texas Western as a quarterback who had a chance to to make that Cleveland Browns roster and and play alongside Jim Brown. Then you've got some of the greatest track and field stars of their time, Jennifer Smith, who is the the first, the first uh, champion, uh, you know, for women's track and field at UTEP, Fred uh, De Bernardi, who was also unbelievable with the shot put and and um, and the discus, and then um, you know the teams themselves. So I think that you probably know some of these names because Jennifer Smith, uh, De Bernardi, that was kind of your time too, where you were very involved with UTEP. You know, the greatest track meet of all time I've ever seen at UTEP at Kid Field was when Fred DiBernardi was throwing the shot put, and they had the pro, pro, it was a pro track meet. Okay. And this guy was unbelievable. He's a beast. And to see him play basketball, Fred DiBernardi and Intramurals, he was so fun. He was a really cool guy to be around. I mean, Fred, uh, good guy, very good guy. And Jennifer Smith, I was the head coach for the women's team in 1978. Uh, she played for me for just a little while because she was in between track and doing her thing. Yeah. And she wanted to keep in training. Uh, Jennifer was really cool, too. So I'm looking forward to seeing these Hall of Famers. Man, that's cool. So I love the fact you've got tie-ins with everybody. How about the fact that Dee Bernardi never even played football and he was drafted in the, uh, you know, in the NFL after, uh, after his track and field days were over? Well, you remember the old days with Dallas Cowboys with Gil Brandt and Tex Schramm. They used to use those computers and figure out a way yeah. that what – just because you play football doesn't mean you could play football in the NFL. But if you were a good athlete in track and field or other sports, they would search you out and try to get you to play for them. I believe it. Uh, the Baltimore Colts, the team that uh, drafted uh, Dee Bernardi. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we've lost Dee Bernardi. We've also lost uh, um, um, one of the others, Furman, uh, as, uh, you know, they'll both be in the posthumous category. But, uh, Smith's still alive. I'm excited about that. We get a chance to see her come into town, Johnny Lee, and then all of the uh, surviving members of the '74 volleyball team and the UTEP women's basketball team from the '74-'75 season. Now, first off, take me back to the mid '70s and how you found your way into that inaugural women's basketball team as an assistant coach. How did it go down? Well, first of all, i got to give a lot of props to Don Lewis. Don Lewis was a student athlete then. He was also on the track team with Wayne Vandenberg. Just great athlete. And Don Lewis was also on the radio station at KTEP. Okay. He had a jazz show. It was called Jazz Man. I got to meet him through my brother. And he says, hey, Wayne, you know, there's, no, there's nothing here for girls. So we got to talking, and me and him coached an intramural team in girls' flag football. They were from the dorm. Right. At Kelly Hall. And our name was the Happy Hookers. 
That's their name. They wanted. To, that's their they name. Want they want to be known it. as the Happy Hookers. They, they picked the name. But By the way, how did you how did you convince a group of uh, young ladies living at Kelly Hall to play intramural football? Easy, very easy. They all wanted to play and do something because there was nothing available for them. Got it. And it was really neat. Joe what year Wardy, was this? This was in 1973. All right, so in 73, you had the Happy Hookers uh, playing uh, intramural football, and that was the first women's team at UTEP in any capacity. was in the Emeralds. Okay. Then me and Don said, let's take another level and go play basketball. So we had those girls, some of them played, and we put out the word through the prospector, uh-huh. hey, who wants to play basketball? So they got the girls together. We played that first year. Don was the head coach. I was the assistant coach. 1973, Gloria Estrada, who's probably the most decorated girl basketball, uh, women basketball player at UTEP ever. Yeah. She was on that team. She In 73, 74. She graduated from Fabens High School. Okay. They called her pro because she was in deadly jump shot. I graduated from high school in 1972. So 50 years right now was my graduating class. Gotcha. So happy 50th, by the way, for Thank you. Thank you. And also 50 years ago was Title IX. That's, that's true. It all coincided. By the way, was Title IX a big deal in 72 that you can remember when it went down? No, because nobody knew how to deal with it. Nobody understood really what that measure of that passage of that bill did. Mm-hmm. But it did obviously happen three or four years later. People started to understand it. So me and Don were coaching the girls' basketball team. We got to play Mexico State, play Fort Bliss, play University of Juarez, Went around playing anybody we could. Sure. Just to have a team. Intramural basketball team. Basically, just like yes. Just like football. But, but Don just was great. Matter. Don Lewis, to me, will always be looking at him as the very first coach, and he gave me the opportunity to be there. Carol Ammerman comes in the next year. She asked me to stay on as the assistant. Okay. I stayed with her, the 1974 team, which is the one being inducted in the Hall of Fame. That was the team that uh, – Slowly but surely, got to play a better schedule, mm-hmm. got to be recognized, and it was just an unbelievable opportunity for those girls, obviously, but even more so for me, sure. because I got to see Carol Ammerman work. This lady was an unbelievable coach. She played for the Wayland Baptist Hutchison Flying Queens. At that time, they were on another level of girls' women's college basketball. They flew to all their games, Steve, in a private jet. Really? Wayland Baptist. Back in the 60s? Back 70s. 70s, 70s. okay. 70s. Okay. She was one of the last women that were cut, that was cut off the 1972 Olympic team, women's Olympic team. Really? Yes. And on that team was Pat Summit, or Pat Head at the time, mm-hmm. who later married and got her name, which everybody knows as Pat Summit, University yeah. of Tennessee legend. So it was a great opportunity when she came in. They said, this lady is going to be the new head coach. Six foot two, redhead, unbelievable player, and she drilled those girls. She was a female Don Haskins, and she got Don Haskins to come to our practices. Really? About the girls. Oh, yes. Her and Don Haskins were great friends. Oh, wow. it was great to have Haskins at that time in his era. You know, everybody knows him as the bear, and he was. But when he walked in there with those ladies, he was a teddy bear, and he was unbelievable. And, and breaking it down in very simplistic terms to make those girls understand defense. It was the best – I've had the best 
life anybody could ever have, Steve. That's unbelievable. Uh, Wayne Thornton with us here in our Lubingo studios. Adrian, so many questions as uh, Wayne tells the story about how this actually started here uh, back in 74, 75. Here's my biggest question for you, Wayne. Um, As we look at women in sports, one of the things that we're always talking about is equality, just the the fight for equality and and what we need to do is just a, a sports society or just a society in general. What were some of those daily fights that you had for equality uh, when you kind of look back and reflect on the, these uh, mid-70s teams? Well, I can remember, Adrian, the fact that uh, at that time, of course, now they call them what, the UTEP women's basketball team, the Lady Miners. Um, then they wanted to be called the Minorettes. <laughs> and nobody liked the name, but they dealt with it because that's what everybody wanted to call them. We practiced in Memorial Gym, and I can remember those practices. We would be practicing on one half of Memorial Gym, and then they'd have intramural basketball games and everybody playing open gym on the other side. We couldn't get the whole gym. They only could give us one half of the gym. But, you know, you, you can sit there and rant and rave and holler and scream, but that wasn't the time to do it. You know, things, things in life where you understand that you can't just go knocking down every door thinking that you earned this, you deserve this. We had to be patient, and they were. The girls were, were unbelievable on the team. Uh, Coach Ammerman was unbelievable in patience and understanding. And I can't think enough, Jim Bowden, uh, whose son, of course, Dr. Jim Bowden, is being inducted in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame in a couple of uh, weeks here. But he was the athletic director at the time, and he was phenomenal. He helped us and supported us in every way that he could. First off, I'd like to know, of the 74-75 team, how many of those young ladies were part of the 73-74 uh, first ever uh, basketball team, the intramural team? A dozen. Really? Yeah, yeah. So you had nearly the entire roster intact from the year before, except this was the first season they were playing as uh, a scholarship athlete. Now, did they have scholarships that uh, that season? They did not have them. There was two things that they did not have. One... Well, to me, this was important to me. One was they didn't have scholarships. The other was the fact that when the girls, when they you know, graduated or when they got their letters, let's say, mm-hmm. they never got letter jackets. That is one thing I want to do for all those young ladies at that time, from volleyball and basketball, to get them letter jackets because they earned them. They never got letter jackets. Never got them. Never wow. Got them. Never got them. Nope. Never yeah, got them. that's something I, you know, I, I didn't realize at the time either. And 50 years later... How many surviving members of that first basketball team are there right now uh, here nearly 50 years later? We've lost one young lady. Her name was Terry Anderson. She's a high school coach here in the city with the Isleta Independent School District. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, she passed away three years ago. Uh, All the other ladies are alive, are well, and they plan to be here for the ceremony. So that's going to be even more impressive for me because of the fact that they'll be able to come down. I talked to Kevin Sherlin, who was the first UTEP volleyball coach, and he's living in California. He's coming down for the event as well. And one of the star players on that team was Zabora Hemet, who is now Zabora Wills, who's married to Truman Wills, the former outstanding coach at Austin High School and also in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. She cried. She just broke down and cried when she knew that that team was going to get into the UTEP Hall of Fame. Wow, that's a great story. It really is. It's very emotional. These young ladies that went through a lot, they went through a lot. And I'm very proud of them yep. because 
to talk to them today, talk to them yesterday, talk to them last week, uh, they still can't believe it. They're walking That's on awesome. cloud nine. Is Coach Ammerman still alive? She is, and she will be here. Fantastic. Yes, she will. That is great. And everybody will get to meet the famous Carol Ammerman. That I'm is, you, she, oh, I love it. This story gets better and better. What about your friend Don, who started this with you back when you were in, uh, in college? Is Don, he still around? Don is still alive. He lives in California. He comes down every year for the UTEP homecoming football game. We got to get Don and in town for this. Don then. is a, just a phenomenal man as well. Okay. Uh, just a good friend. Uh, in fact, Don is the one that got me going with radio. Really? Because he got me to do a t- uh, the radio show on KTEP. Steve, it was called the Tootsie Roll Soul Show. I just played all the pop soul music at that time. I tell you, it was awesome. KTEP, 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on oh, a you Friday played, night. Oh, so you played it twice. You went uh, from 10A to 2P and 10P to 2A. <laughs> it was great, man. I tell you, I, at that time. What would you play, Lil Marvin Gaye? Oh, the best. Um, the emotions. Yep, absolutely. Reverend Al Green. Oh, come on. That's, I'm that's, just, that's, I'm, oh, yeah. yes. Marvin Gaye. Absolutely. Oh, man, I tell you, Steve, it was the best. And I used to give dedication. See, that was the best part of the show, giving uh, dedication. Exactly. You're like, uh, I know exactly what you're like. Yeah. So you, you, would, you would do, and people would listen to you, and they would call oh. you up with, uh, hey, you got to send uh, this special shout-out. So you were probably famous from your college DJing days at KTAP. Oh, yes. I go to class, and people would stop me on my way to class and say, hey, man, can you play this song tonight, and can you dedicate to my girlfriend? Oh, my goodness. No problem, buddy. No problem. Boy, oh boy, this that, that's that's a great story in itself, Adrian. Listen to listen to Wayne getting it done uh, as a DJ. This um, is awesome. Yeah. This is good stuff. Oh yeah, jamming in the planet, moving in the grooving. Can't lose with the stuff I use. I'm Dr. K, your neighborhood DJ. Oh man. <laughs> so you named yourself Dr. K from your radio days. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Wow. Definitely so. It and was it was fun. called the Tootsie Roll Soul Show. Tootsie Roll Soul Show. And I used to have teams and intramurals. You know, a lot of people, you know, you talk about Jerry Jones. He's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. I was the owner of my own team in intramurals for UTEP Sports. I had a team that was called Kid Wayne and the Tootsie Roll Souls. I sponsored them in softball, basketball, and flag football. And there were three different sports. And it was so cool because of the fact I was like the owner. Well, what do you mean? So you paid paid the entry fee, and then you chose the team? Is that what you did? Well, we... Who wants to play? Yeah. Who wants to play? What were the entry fees back in those days? Oh, $50. So you were paying 50 bucks, had your name on it, you were the coach, the executor, and uh, you just got people playing for you. That's, that's phenomenal. Boy, you were ahead of your time. Oh, man, I tell you what, Steve. Back in the day when I was telling you about those happy hookers, the, the flag football team. Yes. We played in the Sun Bowl, in the Sun Bowl, in the semifinals, and the coach on the other side, coaching the Zeta girls. Mm-hmm was former mayor Joe Wardy. Really? He was the head coach. So and I was against Joe. You coached against Joe. Oh, he yeah. had the Zetas. Yes. And you had... Um, he had the Zetas, and I had my team, which was the Happy Hookers. And happy, we played. Who won? The, hooky, oh, the Hookers they, or the Zetas? No, they kicked our butt. All right. They kicked our butt. Right, and Zeta. then, yeah. two years later, Joe, I mean, Steve, two years later, I'm in the gym shooting around the basketball, and the guy comes up to me and says, can I shoot with you? I said, sure. He shoots the ball, makes it. Shoots another one, he makes it. And I said, what's your name, sir? He says, oh, my name's Oscar. <laughs> Mayor Oscar Leeser. That's how I met him, playing hoops in Memorial Gym. And then later on, he played on a team with the, with the SAEs, the, inter, the fraternity team. I played against him 
with my team, and we lost that game too. Did you ever win all, in all these uh, leagues you were sponsoring? Did you ever no, win? No, no. Okay. But it didn't matter. I, I didn't know. care. That's where I learned my who cares about winning. It's just all about fun. participating. Right? There you go. That's the best part about life. More with Wayne Thornton. Um, if you've got questions about the happy hookers, uh, I don't blame you. Uh, probably a lot of us do right now. We'll come back and more uh, with Wayne as we continue. First, Charlie One with traffic. 23 past the hour. Back right now with Wayne Thornton. The Tootsie Roll Soul Show. For those of you that remember that, uh, back in the mid-70s uh, at KTEP. Early to mid-70s, I'm sure. Um, is it true that you used to throw out Tootsie Rolls uh, at UTEP games? Yeah, I did. I did. What, what, tell me. Okay, here's what I want to know. What is the story behind you and your love for Tootsie Rolls? It's just something I had since I was a kid. I've always loved Tootsie Rolls. I don't love them as much now. But then when I was coaching the UTEP women in 1978, I used to do two things. And, of course, this was kind of crazy time, too, Steve. But yeah. anyhow, when we would be introduced to the opposing, you know, you introduce both teams, we, I would give a zero candy bar to my starters. And when they go shake the hand of the other team, they give them the zero candy bar to tell them that's how much you're going to score. Zero. Now, of course, that would make kind of, you know, some people kind of ticked off, right? But that, it would. It was kind of cool. So there was the zero candy bar. And then also, before yes. the game, if it was a home game, mm-hmm. I would come out on those old wicker chairs, put it on these little rollers. The girls would push me out. I'd be in a robe, and I'd be throwing Tootsie Rolls to the crowd as I come out. In a robe? In a robe. Why the robe? Because it's like, you know, Muhammad Ali. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me you wanted to be like Willy Wonka and no, you wanted no, to do, uh, no, start no, throwing, no. Uh, throwing chocolates to it everybody. Was, it was, you know. So it was a show. It was it was, a show. Uh, it, it, was, was a show. it was a show. You was did show. that. Now, how many years did you coach the UTEP women's basketball team? One. As and, a head coach, yes, I was one, one. But as assistant, I was four. So that was, your one, that was the one year you were doing. Did you ever do it as an assistant? Would uh, Coach Ammerman allow that or no? No. Okay. No. So that was your thing. You said, I'm going to throw Tootsie Rolls to the uh, – now was it – were the kids the ones that were benefiting the most off of that, or would you sometimes throw them to adults as well? I would just throw them in the crowd, and they just go beat each other up to try to get them like they do for baseballs at a baseball game. That's you know? phenomenal. <laughs> Adrian, could you imagine today if we saw somebody that was getting rolled out in a robe <laughs> on a wicker chair with rollers and throwing out Tootsie Rolls to people out there in the crowd? Yeah, I think uh, if, that was, if that was to happen in 2022 – that might go viral, Wayne. Like all over yeah. social media, yeah. that would be what we would be seeing. I agree with you. That'd be so cool. That's true. Um, now, when we honor the UTEP women um, at the UTEP Hall of Fame, do you expect the term "happy hookers" to be mentioned when describing the team, since that was the name they all chose before they became officially UTEP minors? No, no. <clears throat> let me clear something up. The Happy Hookers was the flag football team from the dorm. Oh, from okay. Kelly Hall. But didn't a bunch totally of the but, but didn't from, a bunch totally of the, separate from the girls' basketball team. But weren't there some of the Happy Hookers who became members of the basketball team, or they were all different players? They're all different players. Okay, so nobody, nobody. that played flag football in 1973 in Kelly Hall went out for basketball. No, sir. Okay. No. no well, then that's just a that's just a, a another. Uh, Another day in the life. Well, in, you know how young girls are in I college. Do. and Everybody just wants to play and have a good time. They're not the greatest athletes, but Do you have they some want ringers? 
The other teams did. Oh, yeah. Joe Wardy, Mayor Wardy. Oh, his team was phenomenal, man. They had a girl named June. This girl could have been a quarterback in any any level for the guys. How did um, – now, just so you know, and I'm sure Adrian knows this too, Zetas have always had a reputation of being some of the uh, better-looking ladies on campus, no matter where they are. How did former Mayor Joe Wardy um, find a way to – endear himself with the Zeta sorority back then. He was in Kappa Sig. And that, that was, was the, the male and, fraternity. And that was the male equivalent exactly. of the Zetas. Exactly. And he was kind of the head of the Kappa Sigs. There you go. So as a result, he was the one that got to, uh, you know, really, in, you know. Coach the team. Yeah, that's pretty good. Next time I see Joe, i got to ask him about that. Yeah, it was a great time, man. I Joe bet was it, a good guy. I, I mean, bet it was. I, I miss Joe. Well, he's still time. alive. He's not dead, so don't worry. I mean, you yeah. know, we you can do next time you see Joe. I mean, you'll probably see him sooner than later. You can ask him about that. Good memories. Go from that. It sounds like it. It really sounds like Mayor it. Mayor Lisa as well. Well, Oscar's a yeah. Oscar's a good boy. He yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah. So his mom used to say about him. Um, uh, the the team itself in that seventy four seventy five season, you won. I think it was. Uh, 11 games that first year. I got to look at the record and see exactly how the women did. They were, let's see, 11-5 and five for their inaugural season under Coach Henry. That's a pretty good record, Wayne, out of 16 games, 11-5. and five. Not bad at all because Carol came in and she had a vision. She had an understanding of what it took to win at the collegiate level, and she embraced that with the, the players, and they embraced her and understanding her philosophy, and it was no nonsense. And Carol was state-of-the-art, man. She was the perfect person at the right time. Adrian, um, you must have some questions after listening to this with Wayne, right? Oh, most definitely. Wayne, we were comparing gen- uh, generations and, and things like that. Now now that you see uh, what women's basketball is, where women are even capitalizing on NIL deals and being paid uh, for playing the sport of uh, basketball or other sports at college, in, in college, how how crazy is it to you to just see the progression that we've seen in terms of women in, in athletics? It's awesome. I really love it because, you know, I went last week to see a WNBA game in Phoenix when Phoenix played Seattle. Uh, one of the great players of all time, of course, is Dinah Taurasi, and the other is Sue Bird. They played against each other. And to sit there in that crowd and see all the people that were there for a WNBA game and, of course, Brittany Griner going through what she's going through now, not able to be there with Phoenix. But you know, the WNBA has captured the imagination and the heart of anybody that's a sports fan, male or female. And for them to be going 26 years now strong, it's just phenomenal. And to see the collegiate girls be able to get their day in the sunshine, to have their own place to be able to play and packed arenas throughout the country, it's really, really special. What more can we do, like just as a society and just to continue the, the progression in women's in athletics and in college sports, what more can we do? Open up your pocketbooks more to give more to the girls as far as the women and uh, let them know that you care. Uh, support them. Go to the games. And also, I think the girls and the women that play the sport, they truly embrace and love what people do for them as well. Because you can see it, Adrian, when you go see the UTEP women play, whatever sport it may be, soccer, volleyball, basketball, they're right there with you, man. They're right there with you. You call them up and say, well, did you come out to my school, talk to my students? They're right there with you. I can't think enough Dr. Wilson, the UTEP president, Mr. Center, the UTEP athletic director, along with Jeff Darby, the associate athletic director, for all their support and help in making girls' sports shine in this community. 
and I think the athletic directors at the high school level as well. Uh, many people aren't aware, Adrian, as well, that next year in 1973 uh, will be the 50-year anniversary of the UIL recognizing and having Texas high school sports championships for girls. Wow. And that will be a year from now. So we're in the timeline right now where it's awesome. And then in 1970, I mean, 2024 will be the 50-year anniversary of both these teams from 1974. That's right. We're coming on it. Man, it's unbelievable. And A lot of good things uh, happening. I want to mention the girls in that particular team, uh, Linda Gwynn. Hey, we're not done with you yet. Don't, I'm, not oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting right. rid of you, I promise. Okay. You know, you're, you, you've got time. All right. We'll let, uh, we'll let Wayne recognize the team he was referring to in a moment. But first, let's go to Adrian and get one last bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Welcome back uh, as we continue. Thank you, Adrian. I'm looking right now at uh, Wayne Thornton's 1978-79 UTEP. Um, this was like the program because this was the team picture on the front. Inside, you see the roster. And on the back, you've got the uh, numerical roster for nice. UTEP women's basketball. And by the way, this is kind of the most iconic photo I've ever seen of Wayne and the team from 1978-79. Can I, uh, can I tell my listeners what I just said about you uh, on this photo? Or are you, are you feeling a little embarrassed about that? No, it's fine. You sure? I mean, I'm, I'm not fine. You okay with that? I'm good. All right. Wayne looks like a pimp. On this picture, he really does. Like he is pimped out. Come here for a second, AJ. I want you to see this photo so you can understand where I'm coming from. Wayne, you're posing in front of like a an old time car with this with these group of young ladies. Tell me a little bit about the '78-'79 uh, UTEP roster. It was great. It was the team that I was the head coach of. Uh, Al McGuire was a coach I always loved to watch coach, mm-hmm. and he took a team picture with an old car. Okay. And I said, you know, when I get to be a head coach, I want to take a picture with an older car like that. And the girls in the team, no problem. They all, I told them they all had to get dressed up, mm. which they were. Nice. They were very professional, looked good, looked great. And uh, we went to a local car dealership, told us that we could use that car, as you see there in the picture, a Cadillac. And, man, that was great. And that was our media guide. That's what you're cool, looking at is our uh, media guide well, from 1978-79. It's a, it's like a, basically, it's a four-page booklet, and I like the, I like the minor, I like the female Peter Pete. Doesn't that look cool? It does. What'd you know? Female what was she Peter known Pete. as? Yes, never. Just never. did you ever give her a name? No. Everybody wanted, like I said, call her she minorette, like Peter Patricia. <laughs> But, yeah, that's really cool, isn't it? I love that. That is great. That. Uh, by the way, Adrian, what do you think of Wayne's look in that photo? All right. Um, Wayne, I, I have to be honest with you. I feel like the hat and the shoes combo was like money. I mean, you look fly in that. Uh, I like the yeah. fact that you had the matching suit. But the thing I'm most jealous about is that stash. I cannot grow any facial oh. hair. Uh, the mustache is uh, what I'm most envious of. Oh, that was a good time. Yes, it was. Now, you wanted to recognize members of the, was it the 74-75 team? So let's talk about that since they're going to be honored in the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame class of 2022, along with the volleyball team. Yes, and so uh, Linda Gwynn, uh, she was an outstanding guard for us, Lily Panigvar. And uh, Lily and Linda also played on the 1974 UTEP women's volleyball team as well. Uh, Leanne Rochelle, who's now Leanne uh, Beck, she's now married. Gloria Estrada, like I said before, she's in the Women's Hall of Fame. She's in the UTEP Hall of Fame. She's in the UTEP All-Century Hall of Fame. Uh, she's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I, I've always felt Gloria is the best girl basketball player I ever saw. 
Shirley Acosta, I called her Lady Magic. Uh, she could do anything she wanted to on the court. She was unbelievable passer. She went to Austin High School, was a phenomenal player. Lupe Garcia was our player and our trainer as well for the team. Sherry Crane, Cindy Jackson, Sylvia Montano, a longtime coach here in the community. Uh, Sylvia had a real bad injury with her knee uh, in high school, and she always, you never would think she could play college basketball, but she always gritted it out, and she was a phenomenal player to be on the team. Linda Bagby, she also played in the UTEP women's volleyball team as well for that initial year, and just a, a tremendous shooter. Terry Anderson, who I mentioned before, mm -hmm. uh, passed away. Emma Berry, who is uh, now married, her name is Emma Barksdale. Uh, Emma was a high jumper as well in the track team when she ever wanted to be later on, and a great, great lady. Kathy Dickerson, also on the UTEP volleyball team and on the uh, Chorus women's basketball team. But Kathy was, you always got to have a lady that sort of makes you laugh. Kathy could make anybody laugh, and she was a great, great person. So what a great team. And I mentioned about the Kevin Sherlin, the head coach for the volleyball team, with Zaborah Willis, Wills. Uh, Lisa Phelps, uh, Linda Gwynn, Barbara Grimpy, Lily Penigvar, Linda Bagby. So it's going to be a special night, Joe. I mean, Steve, when we go to – I keep calling you Joe, huh? I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know who that Joe is, but I'll be, I'll be happy to – if you're thinking about Joe Minch, I yeah. appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. That's, That's nice what I'm of thinking you. Of. That's Joe Minch, nice. long-time sports guy. Yes, Big he guy. was. Um, by the way, were there, some, were there some crossovers for women's basketball and volleyball? Yes. There was four ladies that played both. All right. So they're going to get double uh, double honors. Double honors. That's right. And well-deserved. I well love deserved. that. Well-deserved. That is terrific. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get those letter jackets for them. I think that would be a nice touch. I really do. And uh, the most important thing is all these years later, nearly 50 years later, reuniting together in El Paso. How cool is that? You know, Linda Gwynn lives outside of uh, Dallas, Texas. Okay. And uh, Carol Ameren lives in New Mexico, which is not far away. So those two are out of town. The rest are here in El Paso. Unbelievable that all those players stayed in town and never left. That's incredible. It is incredible. Wow. Really, really. This shows you the message of where the great city El Paso is. That's right. All right, listen, you've been phenomenal. I appreciate you coming back, taking a trip down memory lane, sharing with us some of the great things, especially – the um, I mean, the Tootsie Roll Soul Show sounds to me like I wish I had tapes of that. Um, <laughs> I love the story about the first, um, you know, intramural teams and how that evolved into basketball. What you would do to entertain the crowd. Uh, what a show that was. And uh, man, you know what? More than anything else. It's nice to be remembered, but it's even better to be recognized. And this is probably long overdue. So happy that the ladies are all getting this. Definitely well-deserved for all these women, um, special. And their families will be there to share in the joy and happiness for that particular night. And we can't thank UTEP enough for their support to make this happen. Awesome stuff. All right, listen, Wayne, always appreciate you. Thanks for being here. And uh, as Esteban said, best sports talk show in a long time. And I couldn't agree with him more. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, buddy. Wayne Thornton, folks. And we'll wrap it up next on our final countdown, 20 in front of 7, 600 at ESPN El Paso.